Hello everyone, welcome back to What is a Podcast, coming to you live from the Bay Area, California. I am your host, do you know my name? Maybe you don't, but I'm your host, that's all you need to know. Anyways, um, I just want to get right into it with things I've seen on Twitter, things I've seen on the internet, things that I have been doing in my life. If you're new here, that's what this is. It's things that I observe, things that I like, and things that I see. Um, And the first, um, there's been a lot of news around Shane Dawson and Shane Dawson's new makeup palette or his new makeup line. First of all, I didn't even know that dude did makeup. But the last time I talked about Shane Dawson, he was accused of fucking a cat. And that's not like hyperbole. Like he said himself that he fucked a cat. And then people took that to be for real. Shane Dawson said that was a joke. I'm still more or less inclined to think that this dude had sex with a cat or performed some type of sex act on a cat. And now Shane Dawson's come out with a makeup line and some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people think that the makeup like shade range or the amount of colors in the makeup isn't good. I have no authority. I have no um value in that statement. I can't tell you if it's good makeup or bad makeup. But the thing about Shane Dawson, other than like the cat stuff, other than all that, is that Shane Dawson has been known to um be in blackface um like pretty frequently like back in the day like say when YouTube was first taking off as what seemed to be a legitimate entertainment program or an entertainment platform and Shane Dawson was one of the biggest like skit creators like not people that like vlogged or people that reported on the news but people who like created their own skits put money and time into a skit and wrote scripts for their skits. Shane Dawson was one of the first like big people on YouTube to do something like that. And in his skits was a shocking amount of racism in blackface. Like he said the N-word, he was in blackface. One of the characters that he portrayed was a woman in blackface or a black woman. He darkened his skin, called himself Shanene. And was in blackface. And I remember vaguely, I wasn't like someone who's ever been a huge fan of this dude. But I remember being a kid, learning about YouTube and seeing some Shane Dawson videos every once in a while. And it didn't hit me the way it would have now if I seen it. To my knowledge, these blackface videos are still um, up and running. They're still on the website in general. But he he's... He's moved past that, but he still has done that. And he's probably, you know, apologized for the blackface in some capacity, but people are still upset. And he's probably going to have to continue apologizing for the rest of my life or rest of his life, I should say. And I have two things to take away from this. One, or no, I have three things. One is to not be racist. Try not to be racist. Don't be racist. And then nothing like this will ever happen. Two... And that's kind of funny. How are you going to buy makeup from someone who did blackface? Like, to me, the only reason for you to purchase makeup for someone who does blackface or did blackface is to emulate the blackface. To me, like, that's where the joke in all of this is, right? Is 
If you buy a blackface user's makeup, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to like learn how to do blackface? That's the only thing I can assume. If you are a fan of Shane Dawson buying his makeup, and I still don't know what the fuck Shane Dawson knows about makeup. I don't know why he's coming out with a makeup palette right now, but everyone's bringing up his old shit out the woodwork. And the other thing that's not like the joke about it is how often will Shane Dawson apologize and how often should he apologize? Because for as popular as Shane Dawson is on YouTube, he has not transcended YouTube in any type of way. He's never been like on TV to my knowledge. I don't know if he's been in any movies. I don't I to my knowledge he's I've never seen him book a commercial. I've never seen him be in any like digital campaign other than for himself. Again, to my knowledge. But Shane Dawson, he has millions of fans, but he still has like a niche audience. Like my parents aren't going to know who he is. My, you know, associates who do not look at YouTube or haven't watched YouTube in a while are not going to really know who he is. He's stayed on YouTube and hasn't made a name for him outside of YouTube. Whereas someone like, let's take Liza Koshy, who is popular on YouTube, was popular on Vine. Like Liza Koshy, whether this is not about how good or bad these people are right now. But Liza Koshy, regardless of what you think about her, is on TV, like legitimate TV to some capacity, right? I was watching Anthony Anderson's game show and Liza Koshy was on it. You flip to Nickelodeon and Liza Koshy is on it. She's made strides beyond YouTube while still being on YouTube, I guess, to my knowledge. But she's branched out to other platforms so more people know who she is regardless of what her subscriber count on YouTube is, more people probably know who Liza Koshy is than who Shane Dawson is. And because more people know who Liza Koshy is, even if Liza Koshy has done something bad, and I don't know or think that she has done something bad, people are probably like more likely to get over it because they're, they know who she is. More people know who she is. She's making moves. She seems like an overall good person. At least from my point of view. From Shane Dawson, who's like only been on YouTube, when he goes and goes viral for something, people are going to be like, who the fuck is this guy? And then their first impression of him is probably going to be this racist blackface stuff. And to me, because so many people are going to be continually learning who Shane Dawson is for the first time, like when he released his makeup palette and it went on Twitter and like online and... I think it's in stores. Like, there's probably a lot of people like, who the fuck is Shane Dawson? Let me look up Shane Dawson on Twitter or on the internet. And one of the first things you see is like racist shit. And I feel like because he's done that and because to my knowledge, I keep saying to my knowledge, but to my knowledge, those videos have not come down. His past videos have not come down. And at this point, it really doesn't matter if he takes those videos down because People have clipped them and made compilations of all the racist shit he's done in his videos. So it doesn't matter at this point. He probably should have done it a long time ago. But if that is what you're known for, that's how you got famous. You got famous for doing racist shit 
Whereas someone like Liza Koshy, and I'm just using that person as an example because I've actually seen them on my TV screen um, by accident, but I did see them on my TV screen. If you got famous for that racist thing, you're going to have to consistently apologize. I don't think one apology is going to do it. And I think with cancel culture and internet cancel culture, I think it needs to be more nuanced than it is. I've been on the record saying we need to take more time with our cancellations and be careful with our cancellations and think about what cancellation actually means. But I think for Shane Dawson, if he wants to stay on the good side of people, and to be clear, Shane Dawson is not on my good side. It's pretty either neutral or negative. Whether Either I like remember he did racist shit or I just don't think about him at all. But Or the fucking cat shit. You can't forget about that he fucked a cat. But... If that's if you're Shane Dawson, you live on YouTube, you're only really thriving in one place and people are constantly learning who you are, they're Googling you, all these negative things are coming up. I think you have to apologize consistently. You have to apologize every time it comes up. You have to keep reiterating the apology. And I would understand if someone like Shane Dawson doesn't want to do something like that. If Shane Dawson... Thing says, I apologize once, I shouldn't have to apologize again. I understand what he's thinking, but I also think that that mindset is wrong because what you did offended people, hurt people, blackface has a history of hurting people, and you can't turn a blind eye to that just because you apologize one time. Your video, your blackface, is getting millions of views consistently. Excuse me, I just had to burp. But your blackface gets millions of views. People are resharing it on Twitter for good reason because it's like, yo, this guy did this. This is still up here. This is why he's famous. He did a rebrand, but we don't know if this is the same guy or not. And I've never seen a Shane Dawson apology for his old videos. I've seen an apology for fucking cats. And that's about it. That doesn't mean the apology doesn't exist somewhere. He might have apologized like years ago, but... I think you have to perpetually apologize. And that's just how it is. You did the racist thing. You have to deal with the consequences of doing a very public racist thing. It's not like you slipped up once. Like some people slip up and they say something racist, but they don't necessarily mean to. Or they say something and it's like they didn't know that it was offensive. Like the example that comes to mind for me is that I didn't know, and I'm going to spell this word, I didn't know that the word T-R-A-N-N-Y, I didn't know that that was offensive for a long time. I didn't know that that word was offensive to transgender people or to people who are, you know, on the LGBTQ um, spectrum. I don't know if spectrum is the right word to use there, but people who are LGBTQ+. Um, I didn't know that word was offensive to people until I saw on Twitter that this is offensive and that people don't like it when you use that word, when you use T-R-A-N-N-Y. So I've said that word in the past and I don't, I didn't know, but I do regret it and I will apologize for saying that word in the past, um, but I'm not going to say it anymore because now I know, right? And that's something I had to to learn. But when it's something like intentionally blackening your skin, intentionally saying the N-word, writing the N-word in your script for your skit 
for your YouTube channel, that's a little bit different. That's something intentional. That's not like, like, and I think this is bad too, but it's not like you are singing along to a song and you said the N-word, for example. Sometimes people get caught up singing along in the N-word with songs, right? That can be considered a mistake or you can be, it can be considered like a slip up or heat of the moment type of thing. But that's not necessarily intentional. That's not necessarily intended to hurt people in the way that writing out a script is intended to hurt people. So it's not the same thing. And I think you have to apologize over and over again. And I haven't checked up on Shane's Twitter account or his Instagram account because I don't care about that dude that much. I don't like consume his content. I'm not going to buy the makeup from him. I don't wear makeup, so why would I? But I just think that he should apologize every time this comes up. And I don't know how Shane Dawson is ever going to translate to mainstream media. I don't know if Shane Dawson is ever going to do something outside of YouTube. To be honest, I don't think he needs to. I think he makes enough money doing YouTube videos for a living. He probably doesn't need any advice from me about how to live his life. I'm sure he's just fine with his whatever house he has and whatever money he has from whatever videos he makes. But it's just a suggestion that just because you apologize once doesn't mean you can just stop apologizing over and over again. I think you have to do it literally over and over again. It's never going to go away for Shane Dawson. Sort of like Eddie Murphy. When Eddie Murphy apologized for his um delirious comedy special, he knows better now than he knew back then. That happened years ago, but he still apologized because it was wrong what he said in Delirious. And if you want to know what he said in Delirious, it's easily look upable or Googleable. You can look that up. It's probably on YouTube somewhere. But he said some offensive things and he's like, you know, I'm off that now. Eddie Murphy is off that now and he's going to do bigger and better things with this comedy if he decides to do more stand-up in the future. And that's all it takes. But Eddie Murphy will probably have to apologize again. There's going to be a new wave of people, like a new generation of kids who are going to be discovering Eddie Murphy and he's going to have to apologize again because people will look for your bad stuff. The bad stuff gets, you know, news. The bad stuff gets headlines. They're not necessarily going to see your apology. So you have to apologize as quickly and as often as possible. At least that's what I would do if I did some dumbass shit like Shane Dawson did and decided to come out with a makeup palette. But anyway, another thing that I saw on Twitter, and this is something that I don't know a huge amount about, but there's a comedian by the name of John Christ, that's C-R-I-S-T, John Christ. He's a stand-up comedian who, I guess, specializes in religious content. He's a Christian comedian. He, you know, has religious jokes, Christian jokes. Um, I'm not familiar with his stand-up, but I guess that's what he is. He had a Netflix special coming out. And he it came out in the news that John Chris has been inappropriate with women. Um, he's been, like, sexually harassing women, sexually assaulting. I don't know if assault is too strong a word, but definitely sexually harassing women in his past. And it's been like that. I did a quick Twitter search for a few years now. He's been known as someone who sexually harasses people for a few years in certain circles. Um, And it came out like to the general public that this is what he is, like a womanizer type of guy. Bad guy. 
He's he's done bad things. As of right now, Christian or not, he's he's a bad guy. But what's funny to me, and this has nothing to do with his um charges against him, the allegations against him. The allegations are not funny. But I I like this is the first time I've learned about this guy. You have a man named John Christ who is a Christian. Christ sounds ex- almost exactly like Christian. Chris is one sound difference from Christ. And you're telling me that this guy has more than one joke other than my name sounds like Christian? Because that's the, is that how we started comedy? If it's like, oh, I'm Chris, I'm a Christian, that's funny. You know, I'm leaning into this Christian thing. I can make a bunch of jokes about getting Christian. I can definitely see a John Chris backstory where the whole backstory is his last name sounds like Christian and he happened to be a Christian and he ran from it from there. Like, how do you have more jokes after that? Like, it's it baffled me. Like, the first thing I thought of when I saw John Christ, Christian comedian, was like, you have more than one joke? Is your only joke that you're Christ and you're a Christian? Like, that's what I would do. I'm not a stand-up, but I think a huge part of my set would be, my name is Chris, I am a Christian, I love Christ. Doesn't that sound similar to everyone? And that's probably why I'm not a stand-up comedian. But that's just something that I thought was was funny. But anyway, moving on to another internet phenomenon. Guys, my listeners, my, my followers, my friends, whoever's listening to this, you might hate me, you might love me. I have a confession to make. I have started TikTok. I've been using TikTok for about two weeks now. And... I kind of like it. It's a lot better than I thought it was. Because originally TikTok was something that I wrote off as being stupid. Something that only kids use, like people 18 and under, only they those people use. And was mostly for like lip syncing and things like that. I'm here to tell you that everything I just said, all those assumptions are either not 100% true or just flat out wrong. While there is a lot of kids on TikTok, a lot of the population of TikTok is, you know, teenagers to like preteens, I would say. Like 13 to 18, that's probably the most popular demographic on TikTok. But there's a lot of like professional adults. There's a lot of people giving out free advice, literally giving the game away. People, you know, about buying cars. about cooking advice, about business advice, about health advice. There's comedy. There's people filming sketches. There's people, you know, telling fun facts. And a lot of them are 20 and older. There's a lot of parents on TikTok. There's doctors on TikTok. I saw a doctor, literally, I shit you not. I saw a doctor twerking on TikTok to an Usher song. Like she was, you know... In her, in her scrubs, she, and I know she's a for real doctor because I followed her and like saw her other posts, but she was twerking to an Usher song, and I was like, yes, throw that ass, Miss Anesthesiologist. Throw your fucking ass. Don't care what anyone says. Don't care how old you are. Throw your ass. If you want to throw your ass, throw it. If you want to throw your ass and you need a platform to throw ass... Go on TikTok. 
See what's happening over there. Pick a song and throw your ass. I guarantee people will support you throwing your ass. No matter how old you are, it does matter how young you are. Don't I don't condone like children, but if you're, you know, 18 or older, throw your ass. Throw your ass on the internet. Who cares? Throw your ass on TikTok and people will follow. People will enjoy. People will like and people will comment. And if you want to do it, then fucking do it. What I will say about TikTok though, as I've um been on it, it there is an algorithm to TikTok just like there is to all social media nowadays, and I think the algorithm algorithm-based social media I think has its problems still because it's recommending things that maybe you don't want to see or like it's just it doesn't work as well as it should. But there's definitely an algorithm, but I think anything or anyone can get famous on TikTok, which I think is refreshing because I made my first video and the first video I had no followers, literally zero followers. And my first video got like a thousand views and it was a shitty video. It wasn't funny, not informative, not anything. And it got a thousand views and I was surprised And then as I've been on TikTok for like a week and a half, two weeks, I realized that TikTok algorithm, if you post your very first video, it'll promote your first video super hard. It'll promote your first video longer and harder than it should be. Like if you're on YouTube and you post a video with zero subscribers, more often than not, it's not really going to go very far unless like something crazy happens or you do something insane because the algorithm is not going to support someone that no one is watching on Instagram, on Twitter or whatever, your viewership, if you view a person, your viewership affects other people's views, your likes and comments affect other people's views. And I think to an extent it is on TikTok. But the thing about TikTok is that your first video ever, you can have no followers, can take off farther than you think, right? And that was to my surprise because I kept making TikToks and they weren't doing the same numbers as my my first one. And I went on other people's profiles and I realized that what's happening is they're just taking your first one and promoting it so that maybe you can get some followers, have some fun with the app. And TikTok, there's not an extreme amount of original content. I would say a lot of it is remakes, but putting your own spin on the remakes. And there's a lot of like ranting vlog style um, content as well. But the reason for the remakes, and I just found this out yesterday, because TikTok, a lot of it is based on music. And you put music to your skit or to your dance or to whatever you're doing. And people like the music and people stream the music. What I didn't realize is that not only do hashtags trend, which they do, hashtags trend on TikTok, and pretty much everyone uses a hashtag. Like, if you're not using hashtags on TikTok, you're not really doing it right. Um, But your song trends as well. So if you use a popular song, then you have a better chance of getting noticed by other people because songs trend and people like the songs or they're viewing a bunch of videos with the same song. So songs trend, hashtags trend, 
all that trends. And if you use like the right hashtag or the right song, or a, you do something unique enough or funny enough or cute enough, you can you can be TikTok famous, like literally anyone. You don't have to be talented. You don't have to do anything. You just have to do it. And you can find a niche for you. Like a lot of TikTok co- content is dancing in front of your camera. Me personally, I'm probably never going to do that ever. I'm, I'm just not. But if you want to dance, if you think you can dance, if you, you don't even have to dance very well. You just have to find whatever trending dance. And believe me, it's very easy to find the trending dances. But once you do that, like you can you can make it. If you're thinking about entertainment, if you're thinking about getting into the entertainment industry, and I'm not famous on TikTok. Don't take this to think that I'm blowing up on TikTok. But I think with YouTube and Instagram and Twitter, all those are good platforms to like get your work out there. But TikTok, don't sleep on TikTok. If you're looking to entertain people, if you want to create something new, if you want to have fun, look at TikTok. I'm 25 and I'm on TikTok. There are 40-year-olds. There are 30-year-olds. You're not too old. Trust me. You're not too old. I promise you. Um, but let's move on to something a little bit more, um, a more serious social network. And that's Instagram, because Instagram is legitimately people's livelihoods. I don't think TikTok is people's livelihoods yet, but Instagram soon, and I think they've already done this in other countries, but Instagram is going to be removing the number of likes on people's posts. So if you post something, it won't show how many people liked it. It might not show who liked it. I don't know exactly how it's going to work because I haven't seen it yet, but that's what Instagram is going to be rolling out in the United States pretty soon. At least that's what I saw in the headline. And, you know, I don't know how to feel about it. As someone who uses Instagram, as someone who is not famous by any means, like I don't really think I care that much, but I think part of it is mental health. Like part of Instagram's angle and part of a lot of people's angle is mental health. And I can't relate to mental health when it comes to Instagram likes or comparing to other people. I can't relate to that on that level. I've never felt sad because of the likes I got on a post. Maybe you have, maybe that resonates with you more than it does with me, but a lot of people were saying that it doesn't matter about mental health. They're not doing it for mental health purposes. They're doing it for money. And they're doing it so that they can shoehorn their ads in instead of small businesses and small companies making their money and trying to force feed their algorithm more than they already are. And one thing I will say about Instagram likes or anything like that is that the algorithm definitely fucks with your likes and it fucks with your story views. I remember I used to get like, and I'm not bragging about saying this, but I used to get like 80 to 100 on my story views, like consistently 80 to 100. And now sometimes I'll get that 80, sometimes I'll get that 100, but it's not that consistent anymore. What I used to do consistently, I only do sometimes. My Instagram likes, there was a period of time where I got, you know, 50, 60 maybe 70 likes on a video, on a post. 
And now it's like, I might get 14, I might get 25, I might get 100. Like, it definitely fucks with your visibility and it fucks with your your viewer count, definitely. And if you're someone who's making some type of money on Instagram, which I am not, but if you're making some type of money on Instagram and the algorithm is consistently fucking with you, I can see how that could be frustrating. Like, if you used to get, like, say... 100 likes and 1,000 people viewing your shit. And now you get half of that. You get 500 people viewing and 50 likes. That's that's fucking with your bottom line. If you're making like $20 per post and all of a sudden you're making $10 per, per, per post, I would be upset, you know? I would be discouraged by the platform and I might move somewhere else if that's the case. But if you have no likes or if no one can see the likes then maybe you don't have as much proof without going behind the scenes of the algorithm actually fucking with you. And the algorithm actually, you know, being a problem for some people. And maybe that's what they're doing or maybe they just want their own ads and they want you to stop thinking about the algorithm so much because as someone who doesn't make money on Instagram, I definitely see the algorithm. And one of my problems with Instagram, and I think one of the reasons why I use stories as much as I do, one of the reasons I use stories as much as I do is because that's where I can interact with my friends. That's where I can see my friends. That's where I can talk to my friends. On my actual feed, most of my feed is like influencers or sports teams or brands. It's not my friends so much. I might see like 10 brand influencer sports and then after all of that i'll see my friend like one friend out of like every 10 posts and it didn't used to be like that it used to be mostly friends and then a couple celebrities and now it's mostly celebrity influencer which is a subclass of celebrity and brands which is a different class class of celebrity and it's just a mess now and you don't see your friends and most of the time I don't realize it. I'm just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling and looking at the pretty pictures. But every once in a while, I'm like, wait, where are my friends? Let me look at my friend's story. Let me search up my friend's story. See what they're up to. See if they've posted anything. And I've noticed like a lot of my friends and especially I've noticed this with the younger people as well. A lot of younger people they post, but they archive like crazy. So their actual profile might have like three posts on it, but they post pretty consistently. But if it doesn't get enough likes or if they don't like it or if it doesn't match their theme, they either delete or archive like crazy. So they have like 10 or less posts on their public profile. But it just seems like, you know, Instagram definitely plots or prioritizes money over friends. I definitely think that. Or at least it's like 60% money, 40% friends. And I can barely ever see my friends on my actual feed. Like the only the only time I see my friends or like the majority of the time I see my friends is if like I DM them or like I interact with them on stories a lot or one of my friends happens to have like a thousand followers. Like I have a couple of friends who have a thousand, a couple thousand followers and they show up on my feed. But yeah, my regular everyday friends, like they don't be showing up on my feed like that. 
And I don't post on my timeline, like my actual thing, as much as I post on stories for sure. I guess if I was getting paid, I'd post on my, my feed more. But I don't know, it just seems interesting. I don't know how well it's going to blow over. I know some people in other countries already have no likes on their Instagram and they seem to still be using it. But I also feel like part of the fun is seeing the likes. Like part of the fun of social media is interacting with other people. Yes, you can still like pictures. It's just not going to show up on people's profiles or on the picture itself. It's not going to show up. And they already took away the activity tab that showed what other people were doing. But part of the fun of social media is interacting with other people, is putting yourself out there in some way, shape, or form. Like if you had a private account, you locked your private Instagram account, you didn't follow anybody, nobody followed you, and you were just posting pictures, like that's less fun. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, granted, I have an Instagram account that has barely any followers. Like, I have a separate account to my main account that has barely any followers. And I, it gets barely any likes, and I have fun with that. But um, if you just lock it, you don't see anyone else. You don't follow anyone else. Nobody follows you. You get little, literally zero likes. I don't think that's fun. I don't think that would be fun for people. And I think part of it is seeing who interacts with what. Even though, like, I don't need to see everything that everyone's liking. Like, seeing some of the likes, seeing some people's likes, or seeing some people's, you know, reposts, that is fun. Interacting, commenting, liking, that's all a part of the game. That's why social media is addictive to some extent. And maybe they're trying to curb the addiction. Maybe they're trying to get people to stop focusing on likes and just curb the addiction. I don't really know. And part of it is also like Instagram stories, like people promote shit on Instagram stories all the time and you cannot see viewership on Instagram stories unless you posted the story. So there is a dog outside that just barked. I don't know if it's going to keep barking. Are you going to keep barking? I'll be right back. I'll see what these dogs are talking about. And we're back. My apologies. My neighbor's dogs were barking, barking, barking. They've stopped. We'll see how it goes from there. But anyway, just to summarize, Instagram, no likes anymore. Not sure how I feel about it. Let's transition to the next topic. And the next topic is the Bay Area, which is home, which is the place that I know and love, place where I live currently, place where I've lived for the majority of my life, minus the four years I went to college. This is This is my home. This is where I know. This is familiar to me. The culture is familiar. The places are familiar. But it's getting a little less familiar. Um, I'm going to talk about three instances. The first one happened on BART. If you don't know BART, BART is Bay Area Rapid Transit. It is a subway system in the Bay Area that covers you know a good amount of the Bay. It doesn't cover all of the Bay but it covers a good amount of the bay. And over the weekend, I think on Friday, this started going um, viral. A policeman on BART, a BART police, because BART has their own police force for whatever reason, a cop was detaining a man because he was eating a sandwich, right? Black man, white cop. 
And the man was like, why are you stopping me? I'm not breaking the law. I'm not doing anything. And the cop was like, you are breaking the law. You're resisting arrest, blah, 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 right? And here's the thing. If you have been on BART, if you've rode on a BART train, you'd know two things. One, that people eat on BART all the time. Two, that people have done worse than eat on the BART from time to time. And bonus, they sell food at a good amount of BART stations. My favorite BART station, El Cerrito del Norte, a BART station that's near and dear to my heart. They sell food right underneath that station. They sell muffins, they sell hot dogs, they sell pastries, they sell soda, they sell everything. They are, you know, in business, they do good business. And would they have as much business if people didn't eat on the fucking train? Absolutely fucking not. Because let me tell you something, El Cerrito del Norte is where people stop, but it's not where people are going to work. People go on to El Cerrito del Norte to go to work. People don't work necessarily around that area. So, if people couldn't eat on the train... We they would have like half the business probably at El Cerrito del Norte food market stop whatever it's called, but what's really crazy to me about this whole situation is Bart could have prevented this. They could have prevented this, and here's how: they have a rule. Technically, the Bart rule is that there's no food or drink on Bart, and I'm telling you right now, I've eaten on Bart. Every time I go on Bart, I'm probably drinking something, eating something, or I have some type of food stuff near me. And they have the rule, no eating on BART, no drinking on BART, whatever. They don't have to have that rule. I've always thought that rule was dumb, especially because I always saw people eating on the train, and it doesn't make any sense to have that rule. If it was me, I would be like, yo, no one follows this rule. This rule doesn't really hurt anybody. It doesn't harm anybody. How about we get rid of this rule? And I think now with all the bad press towards Bart, they should for real get rid of that rule. But they should have got rid of that rule a long time ago. And I think now is the time to get rid of the no eating on Bart rule. It doesn't make sense to have no eating on the train rule, but then you're selling blueberry muffins 10 feet away. That makes absolutely no sense. Why are you allowing food vendors, like regular food vendors, to be at BART if there's no food allowed on the fucking train. That makes absolutely no sense. And to the cop, like, this is, like, my problem with cops, one of my problems with cops, is when they try too hard to be a fucking cop. When you're trying to nitpick every single thing. I remember I was in Burger King, and I was trying to use the bathroom, and I didn't pay for anything, and the rule was you had to pay to use the bathroom or whatever, like restrooms were customers only. And I'm going to the bathroom, I see a cop, and the cop enforces that bathroom rule at the Burger King. This is not a Burger King cop. This was just a regular ass San Francisco cop. And he was like, yo, you have to pay to use this bathroom. He's like, we're in Burger King. Can you stop being a cop for one fucking minute? We are in a Burger King. We're both pieces of shit. You think that I want to use this Burger King bathroom right now? No, I really have to fucking pee. You're in Burger King. I'm in Burger King. We all know Burger King's reputation. Chill the fuck out. And that's what I feel like this cop was. Trying too hard to become a cop. 
trying too hard to act like a cop, to act like an authority figure, and just went in on someone who was having a sandwich. Like, a fucking sandwich. Like, what's the point? What is the point? Like, I, I think from Bart's point of view, the only thing that I can think of with, with a no eating or drinking rule is to keep the trains as clean as possible. But anyone who's been on BART can tell you that sometimes you get on a train and it smells like pee because someone peed on the train and it smells horrible and you just have to deal with it for however long you stay on the train. Like if you cannot prevent people from peeing on the train, if that's something that you've decided is not worth trying to prevent, then I feel like food is not going to make a big of a difference. Most people who eat food aren't making a mess. Most people who eat food are just, you know, eating food. I don't think I've ever seen anyone spill food. I've never been like, oh, I can't sit on this train or I can't sit in this seat because someone spilled food there. That's never happened to me. Actually, I once saw a pizza box on a train, like a full pizza box, but it was empty and you could just move it. But I don't think I've ever seen spilled food on BART. I've seen trash on BART. I've seen BART stations that smell like pee. I've seen people sleeping on BART. And I'm not saying this as an anti-homeless people thing. I've, homeless people need places to sleep. They need places to poop and pee. But if that's something that you know exists, and that's you know much more of like, oh, like this is a shitty train or it smells bad in here, if you're worried about your cleanliness of your trains, I don't think food is an issue. I've never seen spilt food on BART, and I see people eating food on BART every time I am on BART. And for, like, further measure, like, it's not against the law to eat, right? You know, as BART, as a BART as an enterprise, you know that a bunch of people take BART to go to work. Like, you go, if say El Cerrito del Norte, that's like the one that I'm most familiar with. When you go to El Cerrito del Norte in the morning, most of the people in the morning are going to San Francisco to work, or they're going to Oakland to work, or they're going to Berkeley to work, or maybe they're going a little bit further down, maybe they're going to Hayward for work, but they're all going to work. They have some place that they need to be on BART. You're telling me that on people's commute at 7 in the morning, they're hungry, they haven't eaten breakfast yet, they stop by the little market, they get a blueberry muffin, you're going to tell me that that's, you know, you're not going to let these hungry people eat? You are going to let these hungry people eat, bro. Like, Bart cops, like, stop being cops for a second and think about the humanity of people. I do think that there needs to be, like, like Bart cops have... A job that requires, you know, monitoring the stations and making sure no one falls into the train tracks or, you know, making sure that, you know, there's no like violent crime on BART, things like that. There's reasons to have some type of security system on BART. But if it's eating a sandwich, stop being a cop for one fucking second. Let, like, if you're a cop, if you're a cop and listening to this. I want you to know that you don't have to be super aggressive cop all the fucking time. You can be, oh, this guy is not hurting anyone. This guy is eating a sandwich. He's trying to go to work or trying to go home. He's busy. 
He's riding this public transportation that people pee on. So maybe just let him have the sandwich. Maybe, maybe he's had a rough day. You don't have to be a cop all the fucking time. Please. Just, no, don't. Please. And then the next story, Fat Slice Pizza. If you're not familiar with Fat Slice Pizza, you've probably never been to UC Berkeley. Um, but at UC Berkeley, in Telegraph Avenue, which is right off UC Berkeley's campus, there were two competing pizza places. There was Fat Slice Pizza, which was known for their big, thick slices. And there were Blondie's Pizza, which also had big slices, but it was a little bit thinner. It was a thin slice of pizza, but it was big. Blondie's Pizza has since been renamed to, I think, Abe's Pizza, which, not my Abe's, not my Blondie's. Hashtag, not my fucking Blondie's. I don't know who the fuck Abe's is. But today, I learned that Fat Slice is shutting down, and they're replacing it with a boba shop in Berkeley. And I know that not everyone has been to Berkeley, or maybe not all of you have been to college in California, but literally every college campus in California has multiple boba shops, multiple boba options, multiple, you know, Thai tea, multiple milk tea, most multiple jasmine green tea, multiple honey lemon black tea, multiple places like that. And these dogs that are my neighbors are barking still. I don't actually know if you can hear, but I can hear. And I want you to know that I apologize if you can hear. But there's so many boba shops in Berkeley. I know. I grew up going to UC Berkeley all the time. I've been to UC Berkeley football games. I've been to summer programs at UC Berkeley. I've spent summers there. I spent a lot of time there. I took a class there. I took a class at UC Berkeley. I used to work for UC fucking Berkeley. I know how many... Oh, shit. This dog is getting aggressive. You cool? You cool? Anyway, I know that there is way too many boba shops there. There's a surplus of boba shops. So to take away Fat Slice, which was like a local legend, it was like a local, you know known pizza joint and i'll be honest with fat slice i'll be honest i like blondies more i'll be honest i didn't really like fat slice that much i didn't like their pizza that much but it had cultural significance fat slice was like a cultural place it was a well-known place you can chill you can eat your pizza you can have a lot of cheese like you eat one fat slice slice and you're good for like 12 hours but it was a place to hang out. It was a well-known spot. It was a local spot. I actually didn't realize how young Fat Slice was. Like, Fat Slice was open in 1992, and now it's shuttering off in 2019. So, Fat Slice was a solid millennial, but, you know, it's closing down, and it's honestly sad. And it's like some place that I didn't go too often. I went there sometimes. Like every once in a while, I was in the mood for a fat slice. I didn't go there often, but I went there sometimes. And it's like, yo, this place is gone. It's going to be gone. I'm not going to be able to go there again. I'm not going to be able to walk past there again. And every time I walk past there, I'm like, oh, that's where fat slice was. Now it's a boba shop, the fucking 82nd boba shop in Berkeley, California that it doesn't need. I mean, at least if, if fat slice was doing bad business, if Fat Slice was going to shut her off, and Fat Slice, to be fair, it wasn't the cleanest place. 
it wasn't the nicest place, but it was a good place. And it was like a nice place to hang out, a nice place to be. But if Fat Slice had to shut her off, at least put something innovative there. At least put something that, you know, maybe Bay Area owned. Berkeley is one of the anchors of the Bay Area, along with San Francisco, Oakland, Vallejo, San Jose, um, those places. Along with that, put something like Bay Area owned, like something Oakland owned, Berkeley owned, San Francisco owned, Vallejo owned. Put something there. It could have been anything, but something that maybe was missing maybe something different not another boba shop and to be clear i like boba i i get a honey lemon tea with that lychee jelly like that is my shit i like the thai tea i like the taro milk tea i like that shit but you don't need so much of it you don't need a boba shop next to another boba shop next to another boba shop you don't need it they're perfectly fine without it. And that it just, you know, it makes me sad. Even if it is, isn't a place I frequented, it made me sad. And the last thing that I have... <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me again. Rasputin music in San Francisco. Now, to be fair, there's still Rasputins out there. There's still Rasputins. I think there's one in the East Bay. But... The San Francisco location, or the last San Francisco location, is going to close. It's on a Hate Street, and it's going to close. Hate Nashbury, and it's going to close. And again, Rasputin is Bay Area culture. Rasputin is an independent Bay Area culture. Rasputin is that San Francisco is a, a anchor of the Bay Area. And these things are going away. And it's like Bay Area, I will always love the Bay Area. I cannot see a world where I say I hate the Bay Area. I never want to go back. I love the Bay Area. But it is changing. And if I move out of this place one day, if I have another opportunity to go somewhere else and live somewhere else, all that stuff, the Bay Area, I think, will always be one of my homes, if not, you know, my true home. And it's closing. And it's like, what? These things are closing right before my eyes. Like, I'm seeing the change of the Bay Area right before my eyes. And it's like, what's going on here? Why is this happening? And I know part of what's happening. Gentrification is happening. The tech companies are happening. People are moving in. Costs of living is going up so high I know what's happening, but it's still like hard to wrap my mind around like, why the fuck are you closing? You've been here for my entire life and you're just going to leave? Fat Slice has been around for my entire life and it's just going to leave? Rasputin's been around for my entire life and yes, there's still Rasputin's around, but it's just going to be up and gone from hate Ashbury, like one of the cultural focal points of San Francisco it's just gonna be fucking gone? And you expect me to just take it and be happy? No, I'm not gonna be fucking happy. It's gone. What happened? It's gone. And it just makes me sad. Bay Area culture, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what Bay Area culture is gonna be to the next wave of kids. Like the kids born 2016 to like probably like 2022, 
I don't know what that generation is going to look like. I don't know what they're going to be like. I don't know if the same Bay Area flavor is going to be there. I really don't know. And it sucks to say, but Bay Area culture might be unrecognizable when the new generation, when these 2020 babies, when they become, you know, 25, what are they going to be like? Are they going to be distinctly Bay Area? Are they going to be something different? I don't fucking know. I really don't know. And it... I hope that there's still some Bay Area culture in them, even if it is slightly different. I hope there's still distinctly Bay Area. But what I don't want is for Bay Area, like people from the Bay Area to be known as like incredibly snooty, snobby people. I mean, there are some people that are known for that, like San Francisco partly is known for that. People in like places like Orinda or San Ramon or Lafayette, like those people like in the Bay Area, like we know that we, we know what the game is with those people. Those people are snooty, but I don't want Bay Area as a whole. I don't want people from Oakland, from Berkeley, from Vallejo, even Fairfield. People don't always consider Fairfield but the Bay, but people from Fairfield, people from, you know, Richmond. I don't I don't think you can gentrify Richmond. If you know Richmond, then I think you know what you're talking about. I think Richmond at points might be ungentrifiable. Um, but people from Richmond, San Pablo, like all those people, people from Hayward, people from San Jose, like I want Bay Area culture to still have that like authenticity to it, that easygoingness to this, this, you know, general accepting nice people going to it. And I don't know if it's going to be that and that that really, it really makes me sad. Um, and we're almost done here. I have a couple things. Um, first, I'm going to pivot back to Instagram because Instagram has its close stories or its close friends story feature, which I used for the first time last night. And it's always stressed me out because basically to boil it down, why I had a problem with it was I don't know if I consider you a close friend. That doesn't mean that you consider me a close friend. And I don't want to overstep my close friend boundaries with people. But I made a close friends list. It has about 60 people. And I haven't checked the viewers on the story, which is still up right now. And I'm not going to go into detail about the story because it was a close friends story. So if you're not my close friend, I'm not going to air it out. But basically, I was just talking about like some frustrations that I had in my life. Just wanted to talk it out. And if I'm not talking to my phone, then I'm not talking to anybody, which is you know, not entirely comfortable for me. So even if a close friend's story is not comfortable, like the the talking to myself is even less comfortable. And so I did that. And the, the response I got and like the support I got, which is it blew my mind. And like, I'm like, I don't know what the big deal was, but I posted that close friend story. I got a bunch of responses from people. I actually fucked up a little bit on my close friend story because I accidentally put people I don't know on my close friend's story, but whatever. I got some responses. I got some words of encouragement, and it was just nice to have, you know, friends. You know, I mentioned earlier that Instagram doesn't prioritize your friends, and I still don't think that, but the close friend story really showed that, you know, friends care, people care, and, you know, talking to people after a close friend's story it was really nice. I still am not un- fully comfortable. And I don't know if I'll ever make a close friend story again. But you know, part of that is like, you know, getting over my own insecurities just to 
let my mind go. And part of this podcast is letting my mind go, but I still have some type of structure to it. It's not entirely structured. And like, I kind of model this podcast after what I like, which is not like by the book, by the format, but just sort of like shooting the shit and talking about things and having fun with everything. Um, And, you know, this was just more, this close friend story was just me talking and just, you know, getting my thoughts out, coming to some realizations mid-story. And it was really good, really good to get some emotions out of me. And I feel like when, in my line of work anyway, and in my life, like I try to, I don't express all of my emotions all the the time because I work with young people, I work with students, and you need to be on for the students. Students notice bad vibes right away. So I can't like express my emotions before going to work because then I'm going to be in a down mood and my, my work is going to suffer because of it. So I can't really do things like that. Or at least for me, Expressing my emotions before work doesn't doesn't do anything for me. It only it only hurts my performance, I would say. So it was nice to do that. And maybe I'll do that more. We'll see. But I just want you to know that the close friend story, if you're apprehensive about it, it might be better than you think. Um and then the last two things I want to talk about have to do with food. First is his Popeye's chicken sandwich. Um that's come back. I got the Popeye's sandwich the first time and I went back and I got it the second time. And yes, it is delicious. And people have made this point. This is not an original point. But I just want to hammer it home just a little bit more. Stop making black people out to be lower than other people because some people fought over Popeye sandwiches. People fight over shit all the time. If Popeye's is crowded, which it has been, because like people are hyped for the sandwich, so there's a bunch of people in a closed area. Popeye's... The Popeyes I've been to generally are not very big. So there's a bunch of people in a small Popeyes. People are going to get agitated. People are going to argue. People are going to fight because it's a lot of people in a small area. Just because a couple fights broke out doesn't mean, and black people have been known to like Popeyes, whether that stereotype is true or not is up to you. But just because this is something that black people embrace doesn't mean that black people are somehow holding each other back by fighting at Popeye's. People fight over shit on Black Friday. You know how many people of all nationalities and all races and all ethnicities fight for TVs on Black fucking Friday? Chill out. Don't make black people worse than other people. Anyway, also, don't talk about this, the government is poisoning the Popeye sandwich I see some people saying like the government is putting something in the Popeye sandwich to keep us addicted. No, bitch. Fast food is addictive. Sugar, carbs, salt, oil. That shit is addictive. That's why we have an overweight problem in this country. That's why people eat fast food all the fucking time. Fast food is addictive and it makes you feel good. That's what it is. It's not the government conspiring against you. If that was, then you would be boycotting McDonald's and saying the same shit about McDonald's and Burger King too. No. Fast food is addictive because the qualities are addictive, just like candy is addictive. Shut the fuck up. Um, And the last thing, this is a warning. If you're getting pizza, and I want to end on this because it's just happened to me. If you're getting pizza, and I'm not talking about like getting a slice of pizza. I'm not talking about ordering pizza on your phone and having it delivered to you. I'm talking about going to a pizza restaurant to get a pizza. Someplace that specializes in pizza. Do not go with impatient people. 
Because I don't know if you guys know, pizza takes a long fucking time to make. And at these places, most of the time, you have to get a whole fucking pizza. If you order a whole pizza, you can't get mad when the pizza takes a long time. You can't get mad at quote-unquote bad service. Hint, it's not bad service. So doing the best I can or that they can to get their pizza out. Don't If you don't want slow service, don't get pizza. And if you know that some people are impatient or they don't typically treat servers the best, you can take them to other places and maybe educate them. But don't harm yourself. Don't put yourself through the risk of taking them to get pizza. They're going to get agitated. They're going to complain about how long it's taking. Don't fucking do that. And on another note, treat servers nice. They're doing their best. Unless they like do something ab- objectively horrible, treat them fine. They're servers, bro. They're, they're working hard. They're on their feet all the time. They might have gotten like one cigarette break. Like, come on, chill the fuck out. Tip them. Chill the fuck out. Stop being a fucking cop about servers. Um, but yeah, don't take impatient people to the pizza restaurant. I learned this the hard way. People are going to complain. People are going to, you know, be agitated. And I get it to an extent. In order to go to a pizza place, you have to be pretty hungry. Because most of the time you're ordering a whole pizza. But at the same time, you ordered a whole pizza. It's not going to come out in 10 minutes. It's not fast food in that way. You ordered a fucking pizza. Chill out. Relax. Don't take your impatient friends. Don't take your easily agitated friends to get pizza. Take them to Burger King. Take them to McDonald's. Take them to other places. Don't take them to get pizza. And it's weird because I this is something that I experienced like literally yesterday. Because when you order a pizza on the phone and you get it delivered, that takes at least 30 minutes to get to your house. And those pizzas typically aren't like as fresh as a restaurant quality pizza. Still good, but not as fresh. And no one complains about that. But if you go to a restaurant, you get a fresh pizza and it takes 30 minutes, you're going to complain? Hello? Don't do that. Don't complain. You ordered a whole pizza. Stop bitching about the pizza you ordered a whole pizza you ordered a specialty pizza maybe you might have ordered a pizza with like pastrami and like provolone and shit like that you ordered a whole pizza stop it don't bother people in that way and also in general wherever you go treat servers nice and with respect all right that's all i have for you today um, I think this was pretty good. I had a pretty good session today. There were some dogs barking, and I do apologize for that. But if you listened all the way through, and you paid attention, and you did all that, I appreciate you immensely, wherever you're listening to this, wherever you're getting this. And if you're new, thanks for che- stopping by. Thanks for thanks for listening to an hour of me, some guy you don't know. Um, Yeah, thanks thanks for stopping by. Um, I, I really appreciate it. Honestly and truly, really do appreciate it. Um, Yeah, that's all I have. Please be safe wherever you go. Um, Love you, respect you, and I will talk to you later. Bye.